It's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast, uh, still in an undeclosed location in the Appalachian Mountains. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, just down Route 71, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. I don't know if there's actually Route 71, it just feels like we're connected, you know, yeah, we're kind of like in the middle of the East Coast. I from Austin, Texas, <laughs> author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul. Derek Miner. <laughs> what is that? I don't know, bro. I just did it. It's November, <laughs> y'all. It's November. Can you believe it's November 2021? See, the reason why I'm saying this is right now it's the NBA season and I'm, you know, starting to go to games again. I'm having to, it's my happy place. Mm. But all of my recollections are, well, last season, this is what happened. I didn't even go to a game last season because of COVID, right? Yeah. My brain has forgotten a year of my life. Like like the, the COVID year and a half doesn't even exist now that I'm kind of a little bit more out and about in the world and stuff like that. It's yeah. already November, 2021, but I feel like it was just, it was just like last winter, like winter 2019 i don't i do not understand what's going on everything in our lives is like was that pre-covid i mean we're still in covid obviously <laughs> i really like, yeah. do talk about 2019 yeah 2019 is being last year yeah. like i really do that and i i don't know if that means i'm old or not paying attention I, or just or i don't know this a what global happens. pandemic that's what it means that yeah. could be. you're trying to because block it out <laughs> <laughs> for real. <laughs> Derek knows that was a very hard year for me too. Oh, like, yeah. Especially like that, yeah, yeah, sure. trying to block a lot of stuff out. But, but like, I think everyone, it, it's like as, as life is because we're like normalizing, you know, or whatever we're figuring out what the new normal looks like. You know, I think people, it's easy to forget like how weird it got for a little while. Like I was watching, uh, you know, the, the baseball playoffs the other night. And my wife's like, remember last year when the fans were made of cardboard? Oh my I'm gosh, like, yeah, that yes. was so weird. No. Like, we went through a whole year and it was just like, we just got used to, oh, there's no fans, but they have cardboard cutouts of <laughs> yeah. like, you know, of, of, you know, that they ordered from like fathead.com of like random <laughs> celebrity. It's like, why is Johnny Carson sitting at the Dodgers? Why is a cardboard cutout of Johnny Carson at the Dodgers game? You know, it was just like, but you just took it as normal. Like, yeah. oh, of course we don't. Of course they're going to fill seats made for humans with pieces of cardboard. You know, like... It got yeah. weird for a while. It, yeah, so I don't blame you for feeling like it just sort of this loss. But then, time. like we accepted it. Like, Cameron, if you showed up at the game and there was like, a, like in two weeks, a cardboard cutout next to you, you wouldn't even think about it. You'd no, like, I didn't oh. think about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. it's like oh, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Somebody couldn't come to the game. They sent so they a, cardboard. Put a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's just weird. It's already November. I don't know where did, did this you, year go. Do you guys get? Do you guys get weird? So like like I was in line at I think it was like a fast food place or something and the people behind me were com- were coming in a little hot you know like I- I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm been the perfect social distancer but if I'm in line or something like I give everybody a little space I give I give yeah. I'm not doing the full six feet but I'm giving a buffer right if I'm yeah. in a fast food line like it takes me what an extra half a second to to take two steps when it's my turn you know I'm not it's not the line yeah. out the door here. Right. 
someone came in a little too hot, like, and I was trying. I don't. I'm not the type of person that's going to turn around and be like, "Hey, can you can you social distance me a little?" You know, like that's just not. That's not my. Speed, you know, you can you say know? you just look at him and go, "Hey, I have COVID." Yeah, and just yeah. like go back up. Go oh, back up. Sorry, is it hot in here? Is anyone else sweating? Hey, <laughs> it's hey. I, I don't want to alarm anyone, but this burger I just got is tasteless. Just beyond meat. That tastes like meat. Uh, no, but then, you'll have, like, you'll have a my, far perimeter at that point. Yeah. You, you but, have but, all but, the distance you want. What I find is like, if I'm not going to say anything, my body language changed. Like I kind of, I just like it, like kind of squirmy and uncomfortable. Like I, I just kind of, you know, it, it's like these new normalcies that we're all mm-hmm. trying to figure out. It has been kind of weird, you know? The other thing that's you know, weird is. I was is, social distancer pre-COVID. I'm like, mm. bro, quit breathing down my neck. <laughs> will you yeah. will you give me some elbow room, please? The other, thing, the other thing that's weird, and I think it's gonna be with us. I heard until like next July, but especially during the holiday season, is going to Walmart, Target, or a grocery store, and it's just accepted now that there's completely empty shelves. Like, like there is so much stuff out right now yeah. because of the COVID supplies, you know, supply chain mm-hmm. disruption and stuff. Like, I'm th- I was walking through the store the other day, and I'm going, I saw a couple of toys out and stuff for like Christmas, and I'm going. Oh wait! I cannot wait until the last week before Christmas to buy mm-hmm. stuff this year because there won't be anything left. Like I have to start thinking about Christmas. I am not a planner. I am a last-minute person. So like the fact that, uh oh, <laughs> if my kid wants to have anything, I need to like, you know, work ahead. But yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, I was watching a car dealership commercial, and literally the commercial was for them wanting to buy your car. Like they oh weren't gosh. even car dealerships yes. aren't even selling cars. Yes. It, is, it is just like a weird kind of, so, new, like yeah. I said, kind of new normal we live in now. You know? Yeah. Well, the greatest generation went through it when they had to like ration during World War II and and you know not drive and all that. You know, they sacrificed for the greater good. We're we're, we're just as good as them. Mm. You know, we're basically going through our own greatest generation kind of thing yeah, right now. Man, we won't even wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, sacrificing our liberties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to pastor, creative, visionary author, Erwin McManus. Um, also, we have a very special What's Jesse Thinking at the end of the show. You don't want to miss that. Uh, but stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's Slices. I know you've been searching for You're listening to Magic Jordan and Drake. The song is Stars Align. By the way, if you like R&B, like contemporary R&B, the new Magic Jordan album is awesome. It was in one of our relevant recommends selections in the last couple of weeks. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. I I want to do, you know, a lot of amusement parks these days are doing kind of the Halloween stuff. Like the Bush Gardens near me is Hollow Scream, which, by the way, I was banned from attending fall things at Bush Gardens for quite a bit of time because of an incident <laughs> in high school. I'll say this. What are you not very, banned from? It's uh-huh. a very hilly park. 
It is a uh-huh. very, very hilly park. And to yeah. have a whole pumpkin display at the top of one of those hills where oh. you can easily bowl one down is entrapment for a 16-year-old. <laughs> and I still don't apologize, Bush Gardens. Okay? And the great thing about Hollow Scream is I can come in with a mask and you won't recognize my picture from when I was a teenager and got in trouble there. So, But I want to talk <clears throat> in my slice today about uh, uh, an enterprising young man named Dylan. Unfortunately, in this interview with Mel Magazine, he did not reveal his last name. Um, but he came up with a, a scheme. He got hired a couple years ago. Uh, he's been he's he, this scheme has been going for six years now. He, so he's in he's in his early thirties now. So in his late twenties, he got a job offer, uh, and he noticed that the place he was working and got the job offer was only five minutes away from a Six Flags theme park. And he had heard, you know, just you know, as he was he says. He's a, he's a roller coaster guy. He's checking it out, and they have an annual pass at this at this Six Flags that costs one hundred and fifty dollars for the year. But he noticed that with the annual one hundred and fifty dollars pass, that he each time he visited the park would get two meals included. And so he bought the one hundred and fifty dollars pass, and during his lunch break. Every single day would drive over to Six Flags and claim one of those meals. And (laughs) when this scheme first started, he wasn't married. So he would, on his way home from dinner, go and eat meals. He has, uh, uh, he's estimated that since he started this, he has eaten roughly 2,000 meals at Six Flags and has saved up enough money. He's only paying for the last six years, his food bill has been 50 cents a meal because of this scheme. He's done the math on it. And he said that he he has saved so much money by going to eat Six Flags food every day that he's he's paid off the student loans and he's put a down payment on a house. I don't know what his food budget was before hand but he said like he was talking to a co-worker and his co-worker's like yeah i spent probably fifteen hundred dollars a month on meals and stuff and he's going to six flags now he will say this yeah he what's said he that, eating well that's said, not, did you ever that, see supersize me that's why he didn't give his last name is okay. he's 733 pounds he did, has type 2 he, diabetes he has enough money to buy a peloton now he, yeah well he did say he did say he gained quite a bit of weight when they when they let dip and dots count as a meal oh. and he would just do some but he cut out the dip and dots but he said that the worst thing uh uh he would he ate these things called chicken balls and i guess it's like a chicken nugget or popcorn chicken or something uh he says he's got them around 150 times and now he's sick of them but he's e- estimated that he's probably eaten about 750 chicken balls now he did he went through a hot streak about a year ago uh, when they mixed it up a little and they introduced around this time of year the Six Flags which is open all year round up there the Thanksgiving dog and he says at first it was amazing it's a turkey dog topped with cranberry sauce stuffing and a slathering of mayonnaise which I know sounds awful but it was good However, I ended up eating way too many, and I can't even smell turkey dog without gagging. It also <laughs> led to some interesting interactions because uh, he found that um, <laughs> he found that the best food in the park was all the way at the back at Hurricane Harbor. The only problem is, he said, uh, it seems weird to be the only guy dressed business casual while everyone else is walking around in swim trunks and bikinis. He would just go that to the water so park p- portion for his lunch break and eat a turkey dog. I'm saying it's not a bad scheme and it's still going. He hasn't, he says, I'm not stopping. He's like, I will stop when Six Flags stops offering the deal. So he hasn't gotten caught. 
Well, I, I don't know if he's, he's not releasing his last name. But but he's not violating anything. He's yeah, just taking up true. what he paid for. Yeah. He's using it. Yeah. And so, you know, all that to say, I know, Michelle, I know it's tough with supply chains. Everyone's trying to tighten the belt a little, worried about inflation. Be like Dylan. Find a little loophole. He's not hurting anybody except his metabolism and probably his heart. He's probably doing yes. some serious his, his, his heart cardiovascular. Yeah. But his, I appreciate this guy's hustle. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay. Well, what was his name, uh, Jesse? His name was Dylan. Okay. Okay. So... You know, this is a little different than Dylan, but Dylan was getting food from Six Flags all the time. But Royal Caribbean has announced a nine oh, month yes. long cruise. Now, yes. we've talked excited. about cruises on here before. Yeah. Some of us are fans. Some yeah. of us are not. Derek, Derek, Derek just needs to experience a good one. Look, well, this I'm is Royal t- Caribbean. Cameron, is it good? I know. So I'm saying, yeah, no, Royal Caribbean's the one. It's so Cameron, fun. I'm, it's great. I'm going on a Royal Caribbean cruise with my, my family uh, next year. Nice. <gasps> You'll yeah. love it. You're I'm, going, have a good time. I'm going on one. They they twisted my arm. It was good. a bunch of my older cousins. And, and, Where are you and going? You're going to be a great time. Uh, I think Jamaica. Okay. There you go. I think so. Well, so I've yeah. been on that one. Wow. It's great. So this is a, it's a, it's a nine month cruise. They're calling it the ultimate world cruise. So there's going to have 200, it's uh, 274 nights all around the world. All right. And it's going to visit all seven continents, stopping at 150 destinations in 65 countries. Uh, and you leave, let's see. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. I don't yeah. know. Right? Uh-huh. So for nine months, if you don't want to Because they have do- Wi-Fi, you can work on the ship. Yeah. Like on sea days, you could totally maintain your career. If you work remote, why wouldn't you do this? Because d- the price works out. Like it's how, not how actually it? per port. Okay. It's not crazy. I'll tell you. So they're going to leave Florida on in December of 2023, return September of 2024. It's $60,000 a person. You said for sixty thousand, sixty thousand. Hold on, Hold on divided by down. nine months. Divided right. if you were going to do all inclusive, right? Yeah. All inclusive. If you were to, and you traveled one hundred and fifty ports, seven continents, make a lifelong memory. You see everything, experience everything, and then again, you can work Wi-Fi. You can whatever. But That's if you break bad. it up, like into per port, it's cheaper than regular cruises, and then it's Royal Caribbean. I would nine still go crazy months. though. Yeah. Just being nine on a months. boat for nine, like I know you're not on a boat because you're porting and all those different things. But here's the other question: Like, do you go by yourself? Do you take your spouse? No, like, I no, love no, my no, husband, no. but literally nine months in, on a boat. I don't think he wants to be with me for nine months on a boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a long time on a boat, and plus, that's a long time, dog. And I don't know. The, I don't think this. It's going to be all retired couples, you know. Yeah. Do they switch the food up? That's oh, yeah. the question. Well, I was saying, are they bringing in different like chefs? Like every, every yeah, every port they would restock their food supplies, and they would probably get new, you know, regional delicacies and change their menu. They do that on regular cruises. I hear my concern would be like, look, we're coming out of a global pandemic, and the origins of this virus is unknown. The one thing we know about. <laughs> cruise ships is you can be out there for about a week at sea. You can be about there for about seven days and the whole boat's sick. Okay. They're going to create viruses and diseases we've never even seen yet. And drop it off at 150 ports. A nine-month-long Petri dish. Just cook it. Just cook it under that Caribbean sun. You know? Who knows what they're going to come back with? That's, that's, I don't know. That's where my, I know, it's pretty sad, but that's where my mind's going. I would not want. It goes over two years away before it goes. We'll, We'll be on top of stuff we'll have enough medicine for everybody it'll be fine yeah, well, well it's not about the availability or affordability apparently of medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah i don't think people are t- all right what do you have Derek? all right so this one is a little older but 
I have to bring it to y'all's attention because I am fed up. Uh-oh. So let me let me just explain something to you guys. I get robocalls all the time. Like all the time. And it's so crazy because like so I rem- like you know how the robocalls they call you from a number that's local uh-huh. to your number, right? So I'll get a robocall six one five. Well, Cameron, when I came to visit you, mm-hmm. I got a robocall from Orlando. Oh. Like from Florida. So I'm like, somebody's hacked my phone. There's some kind of app or something like that. Well, there was a, a hiker that uh was presumed missing. And people were trying to find him and bruh did not pick up the phone because he thought they were robocalls. Like, so <laughs> he's he was missing. <laughs> well, he wasn't missing. Hours, now, right? He wasn't, no, he well, he wasn't, wasn't missing, but they he, thought he was missing. They, they thought he was him. missing. So oh they were looking goodness. for him. And oh my gosh. Didn't pick up the phone. That's hilarious. I would be that guy though. I, I do. If, if the number isn't in my contacts, I don't pick it up. I pick them Me all neither. up. I pick them all up and I chat them up too. I make them, <laughs> I break them through the day. They called me. Tell me more about this car insurance policy. What? <laughs> no. It's a, my warranty's expired. Uh, I've got it here. And I just ask it like asinine questions about, you know, well, one time I accidentally put diesel in. Don't tell anyone, you know, just mess with them a little. Like, <laughs> yeah. My, the joints I get are crazy. Like, hey, um, are you interested in a cash offer for your house? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take 1.5 million. And they just hang up in my face. <laughs> I'm just like, why would you hang up in my face? You asked me, do I want a cash offer? I gave you an offer, a counter offer at least. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? I know. I, I love shoot my shot. I love the story because there was another story a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember the the location. I want to say it was somewhere in the UK. And a guy went out for a night at the pub, you know, and uh, let's just say he may have been overserved uh, on his night out with his buddies mm-hmm. and did not return home in a timely way. And his family got nervous and they called the police. And so this guy is like walking, eventually walking home. And he notices like a like a search party forming near the edge of the woods. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what's going on? They're like, oh, somebody's went missing. They think he disappeared in the woods. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'll help out. And so this guy is helping the search party. Okay. Hours go by. And then he notices the name they're calling is his first name. And they ask, hey, what's the story of this guy missing? And he's been in the search party oh for the last three hours looking for himself. Okay, that's how we know the cabin fever. Like both of these stories indicate indicate something to me. We've been cooped up way too long, people. Like we're, we've been cooped up. Everyone get outside and be safe, or else you might wind up in your own search party. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Irwin McManus. You're listening to Baird. The song is Easy on Them Turns. Been driving up here in the mountains. That song's on repeat. Gotta be easy on those turns or else you're gonna fly down a cliff. Well, our guest today is Erwin McManus. He's the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Los Angeles. He's also the author of numerous books, such as Seizing Your Divine Moment, The Way of the Warrior, and his new one, The Genius of Jesus. Uh, He spoke with our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee, about... 
why he sees Jesus as a genius and how having an intelligent view of Christ can change and empower our own lives. Here's our conversation with Erwin McManus. When did you decide that the genius of Jesus, when did this sort of uh, calcifies it? I think this is the book I'm ready to write now. It's What's the origin story? Uh, well, I mean, I've been studying human genius for almost all of my conscious life. Uh-huh. Probably from the age of 12 was when I was first introduced to some of the concepts. And because uh, um, I was a straight D, F student and um, was really neurotic and maybe, you know, psychologically really um, shattered and uh, and so they thought I was mentally challenged and uh, and then they so they gave me all these IQ tests when I was 12 and and that was the first time I was introduced to the concept of mental acuity and and the differences between the you know the mental capacity of people and and so I began studying human genius at a really early age and and then part of my study in college in philosophy and psychology was really studying psych you know, abnormal behavior, studying sociopathic, narcissistic behavior, and studying human uniqueness, creativity, and genius. And so, and and in all that research over 40 years, I never saw Jesus on a single list huh. of geniuses. And I had this thought that how, it, how odd it is that my entire life revolves around someone who lived 2,000 years ago. And I don't, let's say Jesus isn't God. So I kind of went there which I do quite often. And uh, and I said, if Jesus is God, then my life is changed by the reality of who he is. But if Jesus isn't God, then my life has been changed by the idea of Jesus. And I thought, what is more astonishing to be changed by the reality of of God? Or is it more astonishing to be changed by an idea that Mm -hmm. existed 2000 years ago? And so this kind of began to create the environment for the book. And then I just started writing it as a person who didn't believe. Honestly, that's the way I finally huh. began writing the book. Huh. I, I wrote the book as a person who was studying human genius and came to an intersection of whether Jesus was a genius or not. And then the book just began to flow uh, when I made it very personal. And I think some of it is I was trying to keep it disconnected from me. And uh, and I realized I, I, this book is actually... Even though the concept is very objective, the book is actually very subjective. It's really very connected to my own personal journey. Hmm. And the intersection of genius and Jesus is something that has haunted me all of my life. say genius what what within this conversation within the book you write what does genius mean well if you look up genius in webster's it's really boring <laughs> yeah that's what i figured you know it's an extraordinary intellectual uh-huh. capacity right uh-huh. you know yeah, and sure. but but when we identify geniuses you know, it's one genius is one of those things where it's hard to define it's easy to identify uh-huh. It is hard to define it, but you know Mozart's a genius. You're right, yeah. It's hard to define it, but you know Picasso's a genius. And mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting. There there are so many people that do great work, but you know they're not geniuses. They, you just don't, they're, they may be brilliant. And one of the odd things is that genius is the iteration above the best that we have. 
Okay. And, and that, and so in a lot of ways, geniuses are hated in their time. They're hated in the moment they live, because, not because sure. they're just divergent from everyone else's thinking, but they make brilliance look ordinary. And so I lay out the definitions of genius, and then I try to match and see if Jesus actually meets that criteria. Gotcha. But the cool thing about genius, if you look at it historically, is that, uh, and I, I mean, I love words. Like To me, like words are my art form. And, um, and the word genius comes from the same etymology as the word genie. And so the concept of oh, genius really comes from the ancient Greeks. Because when a person was a genius, and the Greek uh, culture was a, a culture for genius, which is interesting. And the Romans who tried to emulate the Greeks were not a culture for genius. Mm-hmm. And so there does seem to be an environment where genius percolates. And the, so the Greeks had this idea that genius was actually like a genie. It was a touch of the divine. And so you were not a genius. You had a genius. You were a steward of that genius. It was given to you by the mm-hmm. gods. Hmm. And and so it was like a genie in a bottle that once you figured out how to unlock that bottle, the genius began to emerge. But it was never yours. It was a gift given to you. Mm-hmm. And, and in this concept of genius, I actually thought was really interesting in connection to Jesus. Yeah. That the humanity of Jesus was the, the bottle that held the genius of God. Why then do you think, and, and this, this may be a, a natural transition from that last point, but Jesus who is a very, very well-known figure in the, whether you're religious or not, why then has he escaped being considered a genius? What about him has resists that label or why do people resist giving him that label? Well, I think that we're the biggest um, problem to Jesus Uh, being identified as a genius. uh, Like I, I, I placed on Instagram when I first started announcing the book, um, I have a new book called The Genius of Jesus and it wraps the, the genius of Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately someone responded, Jesus was not a, a genius. He was God. And I thought, okay. Yeah, when I was younger, the shallow level of thinking in Christianity would incite in me such frustration yeah. that I would respond differently. But I, I'm older and wiser now, so I'm going to respond differently. And But here's the thing. If we said Jesus was compassionate, you would not respond, no, Jesus was not compassionate. He was God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, it's not an either or in that case. Right? There's no either or here. But, but yeah. somehow Christianity has this mentality that if you identify Jesus as a genius, then you're diminishing him as divine. And, and I think a lot of it is because we're really more comfortable with Jesus being God than we are Jesus being man. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. a lot of our, our theology or even our, our the way we explain the historical Jesus is 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 really uh, lacking in historical accuracy. Like when we say that, because forty years ago I'd say, "Hey, Jesus wasn't all knowing. He wasn't all powerful, and he wasn't all present. So he doesn't carry the omniscience and omnipotence and, and omnipresence of God. So if those are the definitions of God, then Jesus wasn't God." Because when Jesus was born and when he was, you know, a day old, he was not all knowing and he was not all powerful and he was not all present. But Christianity hasn't been able to say that because we think Mm -hmm. it diminishes who Jesus is. Right. And so a lot of it is that we're not we're afraid to see Jesus for who he really chose to become. And I remember I, I would say this in conferences. Jesus was not all powerful, all knowing, all present. 
So what actually makes him God? And I remember even people who were really supportive of me would say, do you have to say that? Yeah. Wouldn't it be, couldn't you say he's both? And I go, Mm -hmm. no, because when he was three, he wasn't both. And until we dig into that and unwrap that, we're never going to really fully understand who God is. And I think it's, it's a, we think God is about his attributes, but really God is about his character. And what, what Jesus teaches us is that it's actually the character of God that's the essence of God, not the attributes of God. And if we could turn that corner or, or learn how to accept this truth that you're talking about, what does that practically do for our faith, our lives, the way we live and relate to each other and to God and the church here? Well, I actually think it, it helps us get a better picture of who we are. Have you ever noticed that there's almost like sometimes two extremes of the way Christianity expressed? Uh, either um, it becomes a very cognitive kind of faith of I believe in Jesus, but I'm just a normal human being, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and it's not that it's insincere. It, it's like, I really do believe in Jesus, but, you know, then I go to work and, you know, and I raise my kids and I just do life. Right. Or you get the, um, almost like the Hogsworth, like Harry Potter Christianity, <laughs> where, you know, you're uh-huh. trying to walk on water and you're raising the dead and, uh-huh. you, you know, you're, you're getting slain of the spirit. And I'm like, how is it possible that we have this like pendulum of Christianity? And I think a part of that is because we haven't actually seen Jesus for who he really is. So then we're either like trying to walk on water and raise the dead and part the sea. And we go, oh, that's what it looks like when you're connected to God. Or we just kind of give up and I go, no, it's really just about the confession. Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we have faith in him. But that faith doesn't really change anything essential about life. And I, I, I actually think that. What Jesus came to do is reestablish our humanity to to help us reclaim what was lost. That was Erwin McManus. You can read more from that conversation in the fall issue of Relevant Magazine. It's available for free and ad-free over at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's What's Just You Thinking. listening to the aces and portugal the man the song is daydream okay it's time for what's jesse thinking oh it's been a little while since we've had what's jesse thinking what are you thinking about jesse this fine november day i'll say this you know i i never i i I, there's i get to go so many directions to these i was you know i was thinking because my slice was about a guy who developed an aversion to turkey from eating thanksgiving hot dogs at six flags i figured i could i could make this one a little bit more that's your takeaway is that uh, that story was that he now has an aversion to turkey because turkey not what's he gonna do every year what's it two holidays ruined for that guy (laughs) he can't even go 
Okay. He said the smell makes him gag. He can't even go to grandma's house. I think the headline is that he ate, he, he juked the system I'd and ate for 150 bucks. Behind but the headlines. Anyway. Democracy dies in the dark. I go the deep on is these eight, eight million chicken balls in one year. I mean, that's yeah. the headline. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the chicken? Oh, wait, never mind. Sorry. What? <laughs> Say it. Say it. Nope. <laughs> delete, 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 delete. <laughs> no. Okay, so this is something uh, earnestly. Whenever been, they make unnatural shapes with chicken processed meat, I always kind of like point out to my it. son, what part of the chicken is the nugget? That's not good food. Don't eat that. Well, and so I, I was w- just saying, what part of the chicken is the ball? But never mind. But, but the problem is, the problem uh, yeah. is, is, it's not what part. It's how do they get it in ball form? It's like it's like when you go to start su- that way. No, no, exactly. Because like it's like when you go to Subway and they use an ice cream scooper for the tuna, and you're like, yeah. that seems like a red flag. Like I don't think meat. I don't think meat should be distributed with an ice cream scooper. Like <laughs> that was your seventeenth red flag in the line. First of all, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's a fact. But either right, way, either way, because I brought that slice, I figure something. This is something I've been earnestly thinking about. Like. Um, so anyone who's been on social media knows how polarizing everything has gotten. And it seems like the whole political system and democracy in general is really, you know, seems sometimes like legitimately at risk here. Right. Because the, the, the can the rhetoric is just getting crazier and crazier on both sides. And I think there's a way there's some, there's a concept I'm really interested in. And I want to get your guys' take on this because I not only think it could really help in like the political system, but also situations like we see like happening in the SBC where people are really polarized and how they're like voting for new leadership. And what happens is the, the, the side that can pull most votes to their side will, uh, you know, end up electing the person who is probably the most far end of the spectrum. Like it, you know, the, the modern kind of Democrat system doesn't favor any sort of like moderation or or being a centrist it's who can get the most people and a lot of times you can get the most people by demonizing the other side so i've been really interested and and i don't know if you guys have been following this it's happening in a couple states maine there's some jurisdictions in new york that are trying but have you guys heard the trend towards ranked choice voting i really like when you hear the Mm -hmm. case for it I really, this is one thing I've been thinking about. I really think that this could potentially kind of save democracy. So for people who don't know, instead of going to a voting booth and you have to pick one of however many candidates, you have usually two or in a third party, then, you know, uh, and, and that incentivizes one candidate to just demonize the other, right? That's all they have to do is make you feel really badly about the other candidate and they get all the votes. Well, rank choice voting, let's say you get have a choice of five candidates. You rank them from first to last in which ones you favor. So what happens is if there's one candidate who's really popular, but it's also a real jerk, I'm not, you know, saying this has happened. Uh, the people who are voting that person last because they he, that, per, that candidate insulted to them, it'll weigh down their votes for the first. So it encourages all the rhetoric to be Mm -hmm. civil. It actually encourages people to get along and not argue because you're not just trying to get people to pick you for your first on their list. One of the goals is trying to get people not to vote you as the last because that'll cancel Mm -hmm. out first votes. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to encourage civility and actually have diversify the political landscape ability because the two party system, like the, the the current way we vote encourages a two party system will always come down to two and the third will be absorbed into one of them. But rank choice, we can actually diversify and get people with interesting ideas and uh, introduce some civility. And, And part of it too is like, 
I, you know, the rec center that I go to, to, you know, I still go out there and hoop it up over 35 league. It's pretty intense. Uh, so I'm going Trey Young out there. I got the green light uh, from all over the court. <laughs> but they also have, a have you know, you can vote at that rec center. And it's, a, you know, a blue tent and a red tent and that mm-hmm. are offering it for me. And it's just so binary that yeah. I really do think the ranked choice thing could change the way people think about political discourse. Yeah. I think this it's is brilliant. all new to me, like not today. It's not new to me today, but it is new to me that I've just started hearing about it. But I will be honest, I'm really interested in hearing about anything that will change how things yeah. are. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I would like yeah. to hear more because it's difficult. And we've seen that in the past two elections for sure. I mean, more, but it's just been a really difficult season of like, you have to pick just people say like the lesser of two evils or whatever they might say. If two choices, that's it. It, it de-incentivizes polarization. Yeah. Right. Essentially. That, that's Which right. I feel like that's all people are doing in their campaigns is how do we just polarize? And so right. it's extreme versus extreme. And so right. where do the people who are not extreme, which probably all of us are like, well, we don't fall on the extreme sides. Where do we land? It's so hard to find a place to land. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder how they're going to manipulate this. Like, cause it feels like it feels ironclad on paper, but then it's like there has to, some political strategist is figuring it out. How in the world can we take this and use this to our advantage and make it well, even worse? Well, you know, the, the sad the sad thing is that the people, the election officials, the the state officials who oversee the elections in all these different areas. I mean, there's no federal. Every state votes differently. You know, there's so many states that are run by the iron fist of one party. You know, I'm a blue state. I'm a red state. That they would not want to adopt anything that would loosen their grip on the power seat of power. And Mm -hmm. so sadly, the very divided states, the fully red states, the fully blue states, I don't think would ever consider this because then all of a sudden they become purple. You know, yeah, they become yeah. light, light red, they become right. pink, you know? And so like, to me, I, it's the, it's the more moderate States that I think will adopt this. And, you know, it's just not going to change anything because most of America is so divided, you know? Yeah. Sad. I mean, it, but if it, but if people are looking for solutions, because this is coming up on ballots and, and state, you know, I would do research, you know, I would encourage listeners to do research who want to be involved in sort of the, like, how the, do you get stuff on your state? Yeah, ballot? exactly. Yeah, because yeah. the more you think about, and it, like, just as a thought exercise about the idea of ranked choice voting. And it, it, you know, it de-incentivizes anyone from doing a negative campaign ad. You know what I'm saying? You, mm-hmm. you only want to speak positively about yourself because, uh, you know, if you're just, if your strategy is just to demonize other people, if you're angering the followers of that person, it's going to affect you as yeah. well. So it, it, it totally, it's all because right now, part of the reason discourse is the way it is, is because we've incentivized it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to, Very yeah, true. I, I don't have to convince you of my policy. All I have to do is convince you that my opponent's yes. policy are going to be hurt you. Right. Yep. And that's all discourse has gone to this totally de-incentivizes that and make and it makes every candidate only want to make the case that rank me higher than this person because of my ideas, not mm-hmm. because I'm going to fear monger. It could be an anecdote to the large problem that we see in, you know, kind of sweeping democracies right now if people get on board. But that's why I think it's important to talk about and at least get people kind of thinking about ways we could still preserve some sort of democratic process, even if it looks different than what we traditionally think of it as. I like yeah. it. I, li- I like, I like it, too. it, too. I'm not even going to lie. Good. Very you guys are converted. Th- We're in. 
We're different in. little tone, right, different right kind of tone, me, today. baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why. Like I said, I was on the choice when I was prepping today. I was like, either it's going to be a funny slice and a and a and a, and a heavier what Jesse thinking, or or the other way around. But it is November second, so it figured this is a it's good. and even 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 in some of these denominational things where it seems like the hardcore fundamentalist or you know someone who's looked at is going to bring the the denomination in progressive direction. It, it really does, like I said, incentivizes people to find like a center ground to work from. And, and I think it could revolutionize a lot of large institutions if, if they would consider it. like it. All right. Well, that'll do it for. What's Jesse thinking? Oh, huh? well, before we wrap it up, I want to thank Erwin McManus for joining us. Make sure to check out his new book, The Genius of Jesus. It's fantastic. And also, like I mentioned, you can read our full feature with him in the fall issue of Relevant. It's available now at relevantmagazine.com. Also, a couple you know, updates. Head over to the faith section at relevantmagazine.com and check out our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional email you can get, or you can read it right there on the website. It's a great way to start your day. Also, make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials. We're on Facebook and Twitter all day, every day, and on Instagram when it's appropriate to keep up uh, with what's new and submit questions to the cast for upcoming episodes. Great way to interact. Also uh, follow the relevant podcast specifically on Twitter at relevant podcast. We have some fun stuff happening over there. Oh, and I mentioned it on Friday show, but uh, you know, longtime listeners will remember that we used to have a weekly updated playlist on Spotify called heard on the relevant podcast. Well, you guys have been asking for it. We brought it back. We cleaned out all the old stuff and we've been updating it for the last couple months with all the uh, songs that you hear on the transitions. If you have Spotify, go check out, search for Heard on the Relevant Podcast. It's a great playlist and we update it every week. On that note, we will wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. Get out there and vote, everyone. All right. Diggity, diggity, vote. Have a good week. We'll see you on Friday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. And I still don't apologize, Bush Gardens. Relevant Podcast Network.